This is the Counterculture Comet Podcast, and we will be talking about these things today in somewhat resembling this order. X-Men Apocalypse, Star Wars marathons that end with hangovers, uh, like this one, the comic Prez, and Heathen, another comic. Uh, I'm Drunk Hemsing. <laughs> and I'm Brock Beauchamp, and I'm doing a hell of a lot better than Nick today. Yeah. See, Nick's yeah. problem is that he he's a Star Wars amateur when it comes to marathoning. See, he did he tried to do all the movies, including the holiday special, which you have to drink through in one day. See, I did the holiday special on Friday, got it out of my system, did episodes one through three on Saturday, and now on Sunday, I'm going to do the good movies. I, I like to think that we had. Uh, we used uh, the first hours were building up a bad taste in our mouth and then we then we washed it out with episode four just so we could fill our mouth again with with rancid with the most rancid ugly meat and rotting fruit that we could and then you know well, the great thing about the holiday special drunk enough not to notice the great thing about the holiday special is that I had 10 people over for the holiday special, and I think I was the only one who had seen it through in its, in its entirety. And I kept telling everyone, this is literally possibly the worst thing to ever be put on television. It's not, this is not a hyperbolic statement. This could be the worst thing ever put on TV. And when you tell somebody something like that, they, they're always skeptical, like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, it's not that bad. And then, like, 20 minutes into it, everyone's just sitting there slightly slack-jawed, like, oh, my God, this is possibly the worst thing to ever be put on television. Yeah, the um, – we had a rule. So it, uh, four of us had seen it. Um, oh, that many, huh? Wow, the person the person who had not seen it was Liz. Oh uh, goodness! And uh, so we gave her the control. We told her. I said, we, "We we she was properly briefed. That was that. This is absolutely horrible. Um, it's it's so it's so bad. It's it's it doesn't necessarily come around to being good." It zooms Hello, all the friend. way back, back down to being bad. Come again, it, friend. Yeah, it's it's, it's time basic, to go, friend. It's basically it's like a practical joke. It really that, is that that somebody's playing on you, but you get that it's a practical joke early on. But for some reason, they won't stop. Like about um, twenty minutes into it, or uh, probably more like thirty, I turned to who was sitting next to me, uh, my friend Charlie, and said, "You know, it just occurred to me that there's." a really good possibility that Andy Kaufman wrote this like <laughs> intentionally just because it's one of those things that's so unwatchable that you almost have at some point you're you're looking around for the hidden camera like somebody's punking me right now and yeah. because this couldn't have been done in, in a serious attempt to create something enjoyable it's so bad yeah, Harvey Corman doing a cooking session, and I don't remember Chewbacca's wife's name. Mala. Mala. Trying to follow along. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. The funny thing is, I love Harvey Corman. 
his his well, was a great image. But yeah, I mean they yeah. have they have Art Carney, they have yeah. B. Arthur, who you know we kind of chuckle at about B. Arthur because of the whole Golden Girls thing, but she was a really respected female comic back in the day. And these are not they were not these are not nobodies. Yeah, they were not comedy lightweights. No. Um, <clears throat> so w- the control that we gave my wife was, at any point when you're done watching this scene, we can skip. <laughs> the, uh, and when we skip, I will skip 15 minutes. The, um, uh, did, did she do it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, she, see, we sat and we watched well, the whole damn yeah, thing. Yeah, but you did it. You, you gave it its own night, though. True. Um, we, we were... You know, we were already five movie or four movies in by this point, right? And so we're like, okay, we know that this thing is an hour and a half, two hours long, whatever. It is. Um, we know it's that long. Um, the uh, and we know it's unwatchable. And please, God, I just want to see Empire. Yeah, and please, it, it is exactly that. By the time that you're done, it it went exactly as long for all of us to be going. Oh my God! Please start Empire now. Please start Empire now. Please, no, no more. No, please. It it can't. It has to be over. Um, the uh, the only thing that I I was gonna search for, but I I, I gave up because we all wanted to watch Empire so bad. Was the uh, Jefferson Starship zoom in? We had skipped past it. Oh, you had? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a real thing of beauty. It's oh everything about it's just so terrible if, it's if you guys haven't watched it out there please do so it's a holiday season star wars is coming out there are a billion reasons to watch the star wars holiday special right now and it and, will lower your expectations of the force awakens which is a good thing <laughs> because the uh, if the yeah if the if epi- if the episodes one through three don't then the Star Wars Holiday Special will deliver the coup de gras to your expectations. <laughs> yeah, it really. Will. Um, it, it it is amazing, um, simply amazing. And I and we uh, we had a group of us there, so we had there's a uh, I guess riff tracks does their version where they talk yeah. over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we chose not to watch that version. Yeah, um, same here. We uh, said, yeah, we'll provide our own commentary. Um, because yeah, we we had already had the rule, especially uh, that we had all seen these movies several times, so we could talk over any of them, and that meant that we were during the prequels, we were just looking at, we were taking apart everything. Holy um, shit! Episode one is bad. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not. Good. And I've watched it so many times, so it's not like this should be a surprise. And one of the weirdest things about actually putting together this event was. Me saying, why do people want to come over to my house and even watch this? Like, why, you know, why, why is anyone doing this? And then it occurred to me, like halfway through episode two, that not everybody watches all the movies once a month like I do. You, you know what the, uh, yeah. Some of the, the people hadn't seen episode one since the theater. And these are all super geeky people. It's not like these are, you know, bros who just latch on to whatever's popular. No, these are all people who do multiple conventions a year and are totally immersed in the geek scene. And yeah, people just don't watch Star Wars like I do. I forget about these things. <laughs> well, th- there was one guy who uh, he's uh, one guy who came who is uh, would probably be I don't think he could recite them like you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's uh, he is on point with all the little pieces of the movie. Right. Movies. Um, like like background shit. Um, 
the uh, and he was pointing out all these things in episode one that I had never paid attention to. Oh, like uh, you have a few examples, or are you too hungover to oh, remember yeah. them? No, no, I remember some of them. Oh. Um, he's going like uh, Anakin's Anakin's room that has a like a lacrosse bat and a. Um, in the background somewhere, there's one mm-hmm. of those uh, toys that's meant to, those scoops that's meant to catch you like a fuzzy ball or something. Yeah. The, uh, it's, it's spray painted gold or silver or something like that. <laughs> um, the, uh, it, what, what really stood out, and you know, this is the, if there is anything that is unforgivable for the prequels, you take take the the really, I mean, the acting does not improve, and it's really the directing that's making the acting not good. Um because those are good actors. Oh, and yeah. They're just not being used well. Oh, for sure. The uh, um, they're not also not interacting well with their digital background. No. Um, the uh, and so the real problem and the real problem is is that the set works when they use their all of the sets, uh, digital or non digital, or digital or real, are bad. Um, they are not good. Uh, when you compare, well, let's put, let's do this properly. When you compare them to any of the uh, four, five, and six, yep, uh, the set, just the set does, just the set design, and uh, so even when they made a practical set for uh, episode ones or any of those others, they were not good. They were not as nearly anywhere close to where what well, the set, the old sets were. You know why I think that is, is because. Episodes one through three are clean. It is much harder to create a quality-looking clean set. Like, if you throw junk everywhere, like episodes four through six, because, you know, by then, in the height of the Empire, the galaxy's really lived in. There's nothing brand new where episodes one through three are super shiny and everything everything is nice and democratic and blah, blah, blah. Um and I think it's just really hard to build a clean set that looks good, that looks uh, believable. I should say. Maybe that part of it. I don't. I don't know. Because um, everything is so crapped up in the original trilogy that if you really look at some of the elements of, like the Wampa Cave, or uh, I'm trying to think of uh, parts of the Hoth base. Um, mm. it looks like styrofoam. I mean, it just does. Mm. But there's so much crap and junk just laying around. It it distracts the eye. You know, if there's a lot of crap lying around, your eye, eye kind of darts around to kind of see what all the crap is. You're not really spending a long time focusing in on one element. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's a big part of it. And you know, and I it's been a long time since I watched episodes one through three in a row. Mm-hmm. And God, it it's like Lucas had no interest in the arc of Anakin Skywalker. What he was interested in exploring was how do how can democracy fail? Yeah. And the, it's uh, such a weird thing. You're like, Well, I'm sure that's an interesting intellectual pursuit but this is a star wars movie and we care about anakin skywalker yet you don't seem to give a shit about it no in fact uh the starting off the initial thing with a trade dispute it's like yeah uh, what <laughs> yeah the, uh, yeah there's nothing that from uh, that sells it and I, I guess the and the real problem is is that there's the um there's no real um, 
the first part of the movie seems to move along almost without a protagonist for most of the movie. Yeah. The, uh, and that's really hard to, really hard to do <laughs> and be <laughs> successful. Um, and they weren't, it was, they're really, they're really a tough set now. Um, the, uh, I still like three. Was, okay. You know, what was, what's really, uh, three was, three was okay. Um, once you get a, past Anakin turning evil, and you just kind of go into the free fall of the last like forty five minutes of just pure action. I really like way, it. By the way, he um, for somebody who's looking to uh, keep people from dying, he manages to fail to keep people from dying quite often. Yeah, he sure does, um, doesn't he? Yeah, I it was I was having fun the whole time going up. Yep, kept failed to keep that person alive. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, really botched that one up. <laughs> The, uh, <laughs> like somebody, <laughs> somebody in my group said uh, near the end of episode three. He goes, uh, "No, it was, uh, she." She said, um, "Wow, everyone in this in Star Wars is kind of incompetent." <laughs> <laughs> You're right. They really are. I mean, if you watch the protagonists through all the entire sextet of movies, they're largely inept. Like both yeah. the bad guys, actually, both the antagonists and protagonists, they kind of blunder through everything. Well, I mean, let's you know get past the fact that Jar Jar is is just fucking annoying. Oh um, God, he's so so bad. He, he, well, and the, the most amazing thing is, is that he continues to fail up the ladder. I know because he never does anything that's successful. He, no, and he, then he every, ends every up decision, every decision he makes is 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 stupid but somehow he manages to be on the winning side of it um the uh and that for some reason people say we can trust you and i'm like where the fuck is this coming from (laughs) i know uh, there's no there's no basis for this the uh i mean a a a race that evidently wants to die because they promote him to general. Yes. Even after he faints and falls over, the leader's like, "Ha ha ha! I just promoted him to general, and he fell over." Ha ha! ha. I'm like, "No!" Then he ends up being an interim senator and voting for the war, uh, military creation bill. Like, it's amazing. I, I'm kind of amazed that by the end of episode three, he didn't end up supreme chancellor. And, and we and, and we only figured out that the only thing that Naboo has to has to do for the rest of the universe is they they basically just have to be the galaxy's hairdressers, um, because I mean the only thing that that Amadala contributes of any worth is hairstyles. Yeah, she, her decisions are not good. Um, the uh, and evidently she was elected at fourteen, which essentially means that the um, uh, the Naboo. Uh, There's an important uh, takeaway from that because you watch her actions and the way she does things. Mm-hmm. So it's a good reason, especially as we're going to talk about Prez. It's a good example of why you don't elect 14 year olds. <laughs> well, the uh, you know I, I think that it must feed their uh, it must feed their. Uh, there uh, was it a royalty their royalty porn industry and the entire voting block must be 40 year old japanese men yeah god um oh well, she is walking around in episode 1 wearing kabuki makeup most of the time so her, actually yeah. though her outfits in episode 1 are fantastic so the, i'm not going to trash that the outs the outfits are, are are great at the uh 
Um, but when she starts slipping into, was it, oh, the near bondage outfit she has in, uh, was it episode, episode two, two or three? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, they're like, man, I wonder if there's just supposed to be a webcam that follows her around and there's just a bunch of guys watching her all the time going, eh, eh, eh. George Lucas but she's making- himself designed that out costume, which is its own conversation. You know what? Let's go ahead and start talking about press because okay. th- there's, we could do that. We, we could do every time I uh, think of yeah. that, I just get a like shiver down my spine. So yeah, the, uh, by the way, if it, it, by the way, if we end up having to bump a, uh, a comic so we can go back to talking about star Wars, I'm almost okay with it. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> let's, so let, but let's go back. Let's go to press. Okay. press. So we're actually doing a DC comic, like DC proper, not vertigo or anything else. And we're, Prez is a 12-issue limited series, and they have released six issues, which is what we read, which is the uh, first volume, they're calling it. And a description is, social media sensation Beth Ross is about to become the first teen president, but only if she can survive her first diplomatic run-in with the UN. Will her pad thai craving get in the way? Written by, Mar- uh, written by Mark Russell, pencils by Ben Caldwell, published by DC Comics. This is entirely a satire book, and it's about this social media icon who is known as Corndog Girl through multiple folly incidents of president uh, candidates being tied, and it goes to the House of Representatives, and it just keeps going down the chain. Anyway, long story short, she becomes president. <clears throat> and what were your thoughts on the book, Nick? Uh, I thought that its presentation as making itself unabashedly just a satire of social media and and uh, the silliness of politics, which is scarily on point to it our really current is. political situation. Um, the uh, I, I felt that it uh, I felt that it did a good job of communicating. Man, I'm not finding words today. Words are not my strong point today. <laughs> words are hard. Um, Words are hard. Um, I thought that it did a good job of mixing in the decisions that a teenager might do, although a bit, a bit on the a bit on the wise side. Yeah. Um, uh, a bit of a bit overly, but um, a bit overly wise. Um, but uh, which is which is probably the only weakness of I would say of the book. Everything else I felt was really strong. Well, I think it's uh, an intentional decision of basically pointing out that. The way the world is kind of shaking out right now is so ridiculous that a nineteen-year-old could run it better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, uh, the there's certain truth to that. The uh, I loved the uh, heads of the corporations. Yeah, the heads of the corporations each have their own nicknames, and instead of a face, they'll have some kind of holographic representation over it, like a. I think it was the war guy who had like an old-fashioned rocket over his face. One guy has a smiley face. Uh, the pharmaceutical industry, which is referred to as Pharma Duke, mm. which I thought was great, is a dog yeah. with a syringe in its mouth. And there's a lot of over-the-top parody stuff like that in the book. And, you know, I, I felt like it got a little bit preachy on occasion, but most of it, I mean, it it's it does a really good job of taking America and Americans and our culture to task because we're stupid and shallow. And this book, (laughs) we're stupid, shallow, and corrupt. 
and this book takes us to task for it. Um, there's a lot of sub arcs, um, or small story arcs that, like, uh, most wars are fought by drones now with people sitting on couches with video game controllers controlling the drones and they kill people with, you know, reckless abandon. And then there's a, a robot that becomes sentient, which is might be the best story arc, in my opinion. And I don't want to give away the details of it, but there's a couple scenes that had me laughing out loud. Yeah, I, I did love the robot. Um, the uh, Right near the end of the uh, first volume, I was uh, it was becoming one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Uh, uh, and there's this... Uh, I guess the overarching um, uh, problem of the book, uh, in-story problem, is there's this cat flu running through America. And I actually thought it was a little bit funny in the beginning, but as it became more of the focus of the story, I was kind of like, oh, you know, you guys have so many other things that I think is a lot funnier. And you're really, you're going with the cat flu thing, huh? Yeah, the, the uh, there was a there was a weirdness, and it didn't, and, and I don't I don't think the way that it was resolved was particularly no great either. I felt that that was kind of weak. Um, the only the one thing that I would say that I I don't know how far the book the book is still going, isn't it? Yeah, uh, we read all six issues that are out. Okay, the uh, I don't I, I would say my one of my this is one of my better my best or my best advice is to not take it too far. Or too long. It's only going for twelve issues. Oh, good. Yep. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, it, it, extended this would extended this would be uh, it would lose its punch. Um, it would be chew. Yeah, it would be chew. Um, yeah. Yeah. Chew was yeah. great for fifteen twenty issues, and then once the whole chicken band thing kind of ran its course, you're like, eh, I don't have much of a reason to read this book anymore, and Prez. Uh, to be um, to clarify, I think Prez at its these six issues are better than anything Chu Chu did in its run, and I read the first thirty five issues. Of there's Chew, a I lot think. of there's a lot of really strong detail work in Prez. Yeah, um, there is. Uh, the uh, from uh, the uh, the dialogue the dialogue is 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 actually really well done. Um, the uh, a lot of the backgrounds. Uh, uh, t- really sell the sell the world um and uh, uh it, it, uh the book felt uh very well uh very well thought out i guess when when they when they were planning uh from conversation to design there seemed to be a real strong match between that story and and uh all aspects of the of the world design yeah there's a cohesiveness in the story that's really difficult to pull off with satire and uh, the cohesiveness is found in a lot of the details. Uh, you'll see background elements that just stop and make you chuckle because what's happening in the foreground or what happened in a past scene, it just fits and it it makes a previous joke funnier or it makes the current joke funnier. Um, and there's, you know, like we talked about the lobbyists having these masks essentially over their face. There's a lot of little things like that that just really resonate with, you know, the state of our world today. You know, the lobbyists, they have holographic masks over their face because they are 
they are faceless entities that control far more than any of us care to admit. And I, I, I did like that the uh, they they did not rebrand anonymous essentially. No, they didn't. Anonymous still have the Guy Fox masks. Guy Fox masks. So they're like, oh, well, we're just going to use that. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. You know, yeah. could have reimagined them, but you know what? Did they, they? It seems it works just fine leaving them that way. Everybody knows exactly what they are, and they don't really have a trademark. Nope. Uh, or reg- they're they're not registered trademark. So yeah, yeah. Go ahead. We know exactly. We, the second we saw those, we go, oh, okay. We almost know exactly what role they are going to play in the story. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, the art, uh, the pencils by Ben Caldwell, and there's actually, it's a team, unlike most books we read nowadays, where it's done in the more traditional form of uh, comic making, where there's a penciler, inkers, colorist, and uh, inks are from John Lucas and Mark Morales, and it's colored by Jeremy Lawson. And everything in this book just kind of works. And yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. And I this book wasn't on my radar at all. And then I saw one panel of Carl, the end of life bear. And I was like, ah, immediately, I have to read this book. Yeah, the uh, end of life bear was a great, was great. I, I just do love the moment when... Uh... Uh, when Carl, the end of Light Bear, comes up and he appears to first be holding a pillow like he's going to smother the guy. Yes. I mean, there's uh, so many little touches like that. That Because in this world, we have established that human life is basically worthless. And in kind of how we view the actual world we live in, um, just exaggerated. And so... It's entirely believable in this story that Carl, the end of life bear, will just smother his patients. I did love also the um, – there was a part of the book that uh, in approach I was going – I was looking to be very uh, – um, I was hoping they wouldn't screw up essentially. Mm-hmm. And that was the going around the world and apologizing. Oh, yes. Yes, because um, – the president realized that America has been pretty terrible for quite some time. So she goes on a world apology tour. And so she hits up Vietnam, um, Japan, Iraq, <clears throat> uh, some Middle Eastern insurgents, a lot of different places. And it's it's really great because, of course, it you have your conservative elements who are like, well, why would you apologize for anything America does? You know, she's like, well, because we're kind of terrible. Yeah, the only the only part that w- that was the only part that was overplayed was the insurgents. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they because they, they did a really good they did a pretty good job at some point where it walks up to someone and they basically just say fuck you. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, which I thought was great, but the uh, when they walked the insurgents, they um. They watered them. Well, they, they, actually, they completely made them um, uh, relatable, which I thought was you know, it, yeah. It, it, the problem the the problem is is that it, the real because the, the problem we actually have with insurgents is that they are actually very very opposed to us on almost every level. 
Um, yeah, they're oh. in the book. They're actually struggling to keep their water, and the government of their Middle Eastern country is trying to take the water from the mountains, and that's what they're actually insurgents for. And that was a little bit disappointing because. Okay, you know what? Taking the West and America to task needs to be done. You know, we need to be far more critical of our actions as Americans than we are. And I really love the conservative. Well, don't apologize for America because, you know, it's this, it's this false patriotism that we see so much in America where, well, you can't criticize America because then you're not patriotic. But, but there's nothing more patriotic than, than criticizing America. America. But then, your own government. but then we also need to acknowledge that we're shitheads. But on the other side, they're shitheads too. Yeah. And I don't like the – now, I shouldn't say the liberal, but some liberals' tendencies to demonize America and prop up these other equally well, terrible people well, and it, portray it, them it, more it, positively. It's the problem. It's the problem. It happens all the way through history too. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, well, it happens too with what, with a, with a lot of people who are well-meaning, kind-hearted, and they do something very wrong by glorifying uh, an ancient uh, or old civilizations. Well, they glorify um, the people who lost a lot of the time. Exactly. So we do it with we do they, it with they, Native they, Americans quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, we, it, that's exactly where I was going. With yeah, that. Um, Native American, South uh, South America, uh, South American cultures, old South American cultures. Um, they were, uh, they were. Let's it, it said they were by our by by I modern standards. Modern, modern standards. They were barbaric in yeah. many places. So was Columbus. You know, they, yeah, they were. Uh, they were practicing. They were practicing in many cases human sacrifice. The uh, um, the the wars that people were having, uh, the, the Native American tribes were having with each other, were not gentle. No, the, um, like they, for... were, they, they were also they were quite brutal, and in many ways, what uh, because what would happen, what they say would happen in history history books is what happens is, is that um, because the invaders essentially from Europe were doing something also bad. Um, and they were essentially the conquer the conquerors and and sort of the victors of all this. Uh, what people do is they discount the accounts, uh, the eyewitness accounts of the invaders. Um, when they what they fail to realize is that what those people saw is also actually valid. Yeah. Um, the uh, when they describe some of what they witnessed the Native American tribes doing, that is not. A falsehood. They they're recounting exactly what they saw them do. No, and um, for example, like um, I think it was around the fifteen or sixteen hundreds. I could be getting my timelines completely off here. Um, the Sioux tribe was a very small tribe out of northern Minnesota. By the time westward expansion and the Europeans were coming through, they had taken over all of Minnesota, most of Wisconsin, North Dakota, South Dakota, parts of Iowa. How do we think that happened? They didn't walk in and offer cupcakes. They were terribly brutal. Now, I am not making any excuses for the atrocities committed by the West. We were as bad, maybe worse. But we need to acknowledge that both sides were full of really shitty people. And to bring it back to Prez, it's okay to 
paint some of the insurgents and some people in the Middle East as, you know, kind-hearted, decent people. But if you vilify us, you should also vilify the other side because, you know what, those insurgents are uneducated, brainwashed, largely terrible, violent people. At least the leaders are. The same, um, the same the, as we are in a lot of ways. Well, the thing is, though, is what comes down to it is that some the we do actually have a real problem with some of their values. Um, oh and, yeah, and we would normally, I mean, let them do what they're going to do on their side of the world if they weren't busy trying to kill more people because of it. Yeah. I can just sum it up in one sentence. I think, mm-hmm. dear white people of America, the noble savage has not, and will never exist. No, the uh, the uh, they've they've looked for they've uh, they've said there is quite possible there are very very isolated incidents incidents of it, mm-hmm. but they're all completely they're they're very small, very remote populations that had no contact with people and for some reason happened to be that way. Yeah. Um, but, but, um, but you can but, do that with any small group of people. You know what? You could go to a small town in America and probably mm-hmm. find if there's only 500 people in the town, they're all super nice. There's no crime. They're super accepting of everybody. Mm-hmm. You can do that with small groups of any people. You get yeah. enough people together, they're going to be at least a significant amount of shitty people in there. Assholes. Yeah. The uh, you accumulate assholes, yeah, um, and you just don't need as many of them to make everything shitty. No, um, no, they really <laughs> tend to drag down the conversation quite a bit. <clears throat> Donald Trump's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> measles, yeah, um, Voldemort, Voldemort. Um, anyway, so that's the only that, that's that's one of the only problems I had with the book. Otherwise, I loved the book. I loved uh, it too. But I, I, I just thought that that I just thought that that was a it was a choice that I almost I didn't I going into that section I didn't want to see and was unhappy when I saw it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I I agree completely. I felt the same way uh, when that scene came around, and I just I feel like it's a little bit disingenuous because you know what the human condition involves being shitty. It just does. And we shouldn't forget that everyone else is just as shitty. We should ascribe the same tra- traits to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I don't see how we could actually make progress or have discourse if we refuse to do that. Yeah. So outside of that... Um, it's, it's a great a, book. It's, it's probably going to be... We're doing a best of 2015 next episode... And I suspect this is going to sneak onto my list somewhere. It's a really okay. good book. Yeah, it's a good book. I, I, I was uh, the production quality is is really good. Um, and published by DC Comics. I know, and not under and, and not even by they didn't even put it out by one of their uh, yeah, not Vertigo brands. or anything. No, actual DC, which which amazed me. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, that's uh, I don't know how many different books like this they put out under that label, but. Uh, uh, I was uh, yeah. I I don't know either, to... but I'm not familiar with any others. Doesn't mean they don't exist. I don't pay a lot of attention to either Marvel or DC. So yeah. So uh, but yeah, go read it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Fun. And if they're only going to put out twelve issues, even better. Um, yeah. Well the, done, uh, everyone involved. Yeah. Don't uh, way to come no. up with a great idea and realize that your great idea has limitations and working with those limitations instead of against them. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So, all right. Um, I think, uh, so, uh, do we have time for Heathen? Yeah, or, we can uh, jump on over to Heathen. Uh, I don't think it'll take long. It's just one issue. Oh, what about X-Men Apocalypse? Yeah, we met, we, we uh, talked about it. Yeah, or, we'll, we'll actually, I think we'll jump on that next week since we're podcasting next week right. as well. The uh, So, I lied to all of you. Yeah. Boo, yeah. Nick. I, I, I did it. I'm, I'm a bad person. <laughs> um, uh, a quick rundown of Heathen, which is published by Literati Press. Though set in the age of Vikings, Heathen tells a myth relevant to our own culture. Our hero struggles with finding bravery, purpose, identity, wisdom, and love as great heroes as all great heroes do. Her struggle is further complicated by patri- patriarchal ideologies and attempts by men to control her. Written and drawn by Natasha Alterici. I hope I pronounced that correctly, but I suspect I did not. No, you probably didn't. Um, I don't know. Yeah, the, we just read the first issue of this, so, you know, it. we are going to judge it on the merits of a first issue. And it's about a Viking girl who is cast out of her tribe, if mm-hmm. I am correct. And it's. I suspect it's because she... Um, is of a sexual preference not accepted by her tribe. That's that's the gist of what I got she, from it. She kissed a girl and she yeah. liked it. Yeah, exactly. And she's on a quest to find a Valkyrie, or is it the Valkyrie? I'm not sure. And she's uh, climbing a mountain. A particular Valkyrie. It's a particular Valkyrie? Okay. Yeah. And that's basically what the sum of the first issue is. And as a first issue, it doesn't really tell us entirely like where the story's going, but I feel it does a pretty good job of setting a tone that lets us know. Well, and it gives it gives some purpose. Yeah, it um, does. It does while t- telling us exactly where the story is going. It's okay because at least it gives us um, something where that a direction that that character is definitely going in uh, for at least the near term. Uh, so she has something to accomplish. Yeah. Um, so, which I think is, which is strong. So going into the second book, I'm like, I'm going to be thinking that, uh, oh, okay, well, the uh, what's how is this going to resolve? So at least I know that there's something to be resolved in this in this near term. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, and but and they've also introduced you know some uh, some of the mythology into it. Um, the uh, they brought in um, – there's basically only three characters that appear. Um, uh, so oh, listen, there's one more. Isn't the horse? She's talking to the horse. Yeah, the horse is kind of a character, but it's, it's a very small story in the beginning, yeah. as I believe most number one issues should be. I, it's so much easier to give the readership an idea of focus and scope when you start smaller and get them, you know, familiar with one character, two characters, and then move out from there. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, that's one thing I also appreciated, appreciated with the book. It did not clutter the story with anything, um, anything unnecessary. No, I uh, believe the main character may have appeared in every scene. I don't, yep. I don't think it ever moved away from her. Uh, I think it did for one moment. It may um, have. When, okay. When uh, I think that, um, oh, what's that God's name? 
Um, or maybe I'm wrong. I thought he was at one point talking on his own. Anyway, the vast majority of it is just following this single character. And, you know, when you're, when you're limited in the amount of pages you can have in a first issue and the story you're telling, that's a good way to make sure you get your message across to the reader. The, the story's about this character and this character's doing this and et cetera, et cetera. The art is really loose and rough, but I think it works yeah. in a fantastic uh, way. Like it's a super painterly style with really, really rough, loose inks over it. And uh, it's a, a desaturated color palette. And I think it just, it works really well for this book. And I suspect it was partially done this way for time considerations because it's a lot easier to draw when you're that loose. But the anatomy's good. Um, the scene compositions are good. Everything is super clear and easy to tell what's going on. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the book, uh, the art, for sure. Yeah, so um, also nice. It was just a, it was a $2 pickup on Comixology. Yep. Uh, I think it was uh, through their, uh, was it? Submit. Submit yep. program. So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a quick read. The uh um, it's a, it's kind of a quick read, twenty four pages, and yeah, um, the, the dialogue's not overly thick. No, no, um, it's I would call it in the mid range. You know, it's uh, it's not light on dialogue, but it's eh, maybe it's a little bit on the light side, but it's not it's not excessively so. Yeah, which uh, is kind of good because the lettering lets down this book. And I, I don't understand bad lettering because lettering is the easiest thing to do adequately. Um, this The font used in this book, I read it on my iPad Air 2, so it's a real high-resolution device. And there were still a few parts of the book where the font that was used was so thin that it almost started dropping down to a single line of pixels, which is really problematic when you're packing 260 pixels per inch um yeah 260 that, lines of pixels per inch that white on black um text that the god uses was difficult i had to zoom in yep um the uh, on that page several times and she uses extenders inside words which you're not supposed to do because it breaks readability and when combined with this uh really thin font it it really lets down what is otherwise a really pretty to look at and enjoyable book to read. And I just don't understand letting letters uh, be the weak point of a book because it's so easy to do well. There's a ton of free fonts out there that work great. And, you know, comics are a visual medium, but they're also a written medium. And you really need to spend a lot of time making sure that you're effectively communicating words because that's about 50% of a comic book. And it's so easy to do. I just don't get it. And I know I harp on lettering a lot, but it just frustrates me because it's, it's just, it should be, it should be like an hour of work to go through fonts, test different sizes, resolutions, everything. And then once you nail it down, you're like, I'm good to go. And that's, you know, you're golden from that point. But I feel like no thought is put into it. When, If you just sat down and spent an hour thinking about it, you would say, oh, this kind of shit, you know, print out, print out some test proofs. You know, check it on your phone, check it on your tablet, check it on your computer, you know. 
it takes like an hour. I know this because I've done it multiple times. <laughs> but <laughs> but right, anyway, so, uh, it, it's a let's... small part that let me down in an otherwise uh, very solid uh, book that I'm probably going to pick up issue two because I'm curious where this goes. Me too. Yeah. Yes, I agree. So I, I give it a read it, and uh, we managed to get through, go through another con- another episode where we uh, found uh, two books that we uh, didn't hate. Yeah, and there's actually three issues of Heathen available, so you know there's a decent amount of uh, content out there, which is cool. And I'm gonna check to see if I can get a feel on August. Uh, it looks like she's releasing an issue about every three months, so that's that's solid. You know, when you're when you're doing everything yourself, it's hard to do a book every three months. So kudos to her, and this is definitely worth checking out. Yeah. So uh, I think that's all the energy I can put into a podcast today. For some reason, I think every time I open my mouth, I think I'm sapping all the energy out of a room. <laughs> Fair the, enough. Uh, but uh, yeah, two good books. Um, read both. And... Uh, yeah. Um, well, I guess we'll talk about X Men Apocalypse next week. Yeah, when we I'm will. Not hungover. <laughs> um, so okay, so um, we'll, we should be back next week for uh, the end of year podcast, and that's about all I have. I I am like Nick. I am not a hundred percent not hungover, so I'm ready to call it a day on this thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Unless you want to just hear me slowly descent into Gurgling. You know, deepening my voice more and <laughs> okay. let's get out of here everybody to sleep let's get out of here i can i i can i can just, yeah pretty much okay um, i would say that that would be fascinating except that, yeah it wouldn't be that entertaining because i have nothing good to say <laughs> okay thanks for listening everybody be sure to drop us a line at countercomic at gmail.com you can also visit our website at schlockworks.com where you can view our podcast archives or check in on some of our other other projects if you are so inclined drop by itunes or stitcher and give us a review that'd be great check back next week when we do the best of 2015 i'm brock beauchamp i'm singing in the rain (laughs) there we go okay bye Bye, everybody